Very good. How is everybody? Good. Good. Very good. It's good to see everybody. It's a little bit too cold for just a vest, but it like angers me to wear a coat. Um, so, do the vest. Yeah, it's, it's all there is. Uh, let's pray and we'll uh, we'll get started. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word and that we get to come together and study it. Um, God, I thank you for uh, this church family and what it means to me in my life. And, uh, I just uh, thank you that we get to come together and worship you. And uh, God, I pray as we hear from your word that you would speak to us and uh, make us more like you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're uh, in the third week of our identity series, and I like, uh, I'm really excited about it that we will preach through this each year, like each step, and it's the same verses, but we get to see them again, and, and it is our identity, so it's important to, to have that ingrained and, and to hear it again and to go through it again and go over it, and um, the last couple of weeks have been really good. I have to like, I feel like I have to say this, um, when when Tim became our pastor, like he was a good preacher, but I, he's a great preacher now. Like it, it is really something to come and hear him bring the word. Like I really enjoy it. I hope you do too. And, and God is, God's doing something here. Like you can feel it, right? Amen. And um, I'm excited about the future of our church and, and what 2019 holds for us. And really, I think, um, our identity, if we stay anchored in that, is how it happens, right? And you see it with the first church in Acts. They, they were faithful to love God, love others, and make disciples. And then it says, God added to their number daily those who are being saved. And so that's really what we're wanting to do is say, hey, these are the things that we need to hold on to. This is how we need to walk, and this is how we live our lives, and we trust God for the results. And so that's what we're here to do, and, and we continue on with uh, today, make disciples. So if you will, turn with me, Matthew uh, chapter 28, and we'll be in verses 18 to 20. And I'll give you a second to get there. And, and we will, um, like I said earlier, these will be the verses that we always preach out of when we preach about make disciples, and they'll stay the same each year and it's good for us to, to hear them over and over again and even to memorize them and just make them a part of, of who we are. So let's read them. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. Amen. So it's this call to make disciples. And it, it's, it's very clear there. We call this the Great Commission. This is Jesus. Uh, this is his last word to his disciples. Like he's, he's been crucified and raised and he spent 40 days with them. And now he's leaving. And this is what he leaves them with. Go and make disciples. And... It's something that we all know and, and we would agree with, but it's something that is hard for us to see ourselves doing, right? Like we go, yeah, love God, I'm all on board with that, and love others, like there's some, there are some people that I love well and some that I need to work on, so like that gives me a little work project to do there to work <laughs> on loving others, 
and make disciples, that's what I'll do later on, right? Like that's what I'll do when, you know, when I get to, when I get to where I'm going, when I know more, when I'm, when I'm more established in the word, when I've been to more Bible studies or when I've heard more sermons, then I'll get to the place in my life where I can make disciples and I'll do that then. And so with, we would say, yeah, it's a good thing, but that's just not where I am right now. So I'll, one day I'll make disciples. Well, I want to encourage you that, that this is a commandment. And this is the last thing Jesus left us with. And, it, and it's really important. And honestly, it's how we get to where we want to go as a church, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have to take this step. Because if you love God, the love that God pours into you, like we love because he first loved us, like that love then goes on to loving others. And if you love others, that inspires you to then make disciples. But that's the, it's the difficult thing to do, right? Of those three, you're like making disciples seems like the tough one. And I remember an occasion when I was growing up and, and I was a teenager and something had like... There was something that had come up and I had committed to do something and then something better came along. Now, we didn't have Facebook, so I wasn't able to click interested so that I could back out at the last minute when the better thing had come along. I had already like said, yes, I'll be a part. I'll do it. And I remember talking to my dad and I remember being like, but dad, like I really I want to do this other thing. And he said, but you gave your word that you would do this. And I was like, well, I know, Dad, but I didn't know, like, I didn't know that this other thing was going to come. And he said, a lot of times in life, you have to do the hard thing. And you're going to be in situations where doing the right thing is going to be the hard thing to do, and you have to do the hard thing. And I really, like, I kind of wanted to give myself, like, one more, like, stab at getting out. And I was like, well, how, like, how will I know if that was the right thing to do? And he said something very profound he said, it'll be worth it. And I really believe that to be true. And that's something that lasted with me to today. I don't remember the two things that I was struggling between doing, but I remember the lesson that there's a lot of times where we have to do the hard thing. And I think that's what, what God calls us to do when it's make disciples. A lot of times that is doing the hard thing. It's having that hard conversation. It's it's sacrificing of yourself time and, and effort and those kinds of things to do the hard thing. And so tonight, really what I have to tell you is that we have, like, we're called to do the hard thing. And in order for me to tell you that, I kind of have to get up in your space a little bit, right? Like, but it's like, it's okay, it's good, and we're going to do it together. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it, so it's all going to be fine, but it's important. It's important that we do it because that's how we get to where we're going. It's that step of faithfulness that God then rewards and adds to our number and adds to our church and other churches and adds to our city and our community and our country. And he blesses us because of our faithfulness to to do the hard thing. Uh, So that's what I want to talk about tonight. And uh, really when it comes to making disciples, I want to tell you this, but I want to do it through three stories. And so you're going to have to listen to three stories. And then those stories are going to make my point. Uh, So just hang on. We'll get through them quickly. Um, But the first one is really kind of kind of a sad story. 
and really a tragic story. And it, it comes from First uh, Samuel, the first four chapters of First Samuel, and it's the story of Eli. And Eli at that point is the high priest, and, and it was his job. He's kind of, he's the spiritual, and at, and at that time, the nation of Israel didn't have a king, so he's like, he is the leader of the nation of Israel. But he had gotten lazy. He'd gotten lazy in his personal life, and, and he let it affect the way that, that he led, and, and he didn't discipline his sons. And he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And that's like, they weren't good dudes. That's probably why not a lot of, you don't meet a lot of Hophanes or Phineases. Um, but he like, he had these two sons and they didn't walk after God. Like they didn't follow God. And Eli followed God, but, but his laziness turned into his son's lawlessness. And his like, his ineffectualness as as a leader and as, as someone to disciple his sons, ends up with his sons being in a place where God actually confronts him through Samuel and says, that's it. Like, you aren't going, like, your sons will not lead the way that you led. And, and that would have been devastating because that's, that's how it worked. He was the high priest and he was to pass that on to his sons and he was to train them up so that they could pass on and they would pass on. And so... This would have been a devastating thing for him to fear to hear. And the Israelites go into war and his sons take the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle and they take it into war because they're like, well, God, like God will go with us. But see, they didn't serve God like they didn't seek God. They just had this relic, this symbol of godliness. They took the Ark of the Covenant. They took it into battle. They were both killed and the Ark was captured. And a messenger comes running back to the city and Eli asks what happens and he tells them and upon hearing of his son's death and that the ark was captured, he falls over backwards, breaks his neck and dies. And his, his laziness and his unwillingness to do the hard thing and discipline his sons and disciple his sons led to devastation for him and his family. We have the counterposition to that years earlier Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. You'll recall and they Mount Sinai and they got the Ten Commandments and they come up to the Jordan River and they're about to go into the land God had promised them. And they send some spies. They send 12 spies over to see what's going on and, and kind of check things out. And they come back and two of the spies are like, hey, like, it's great. Everything's and God's given us the land. Let's go. And 10 of them said, hey, it's great, but there are these people over there and they're called the Anakim. And that means giant, means long necked or giant. He goes, there are giants over there and they have fortified cities and and they have these fortresses and and there's just no way that we can overcome them. And the people listened to these 10, to the 10 spies rather than the two. And God said, that's it. No one from this generation is going to go into the land. So he sends Israel back and they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And they, until the only two people remaining from that are those two spies, Joshua and Caleb. And then they enter the land and through Joshua's leadership, and you can read about it in the book of Joshua, God does amazing things and they conquer city after city after city. And then once they've kind of conquered, it's time to divide the land up. 
uh, Joshua comes to Caleb and says, hey, remember Moses promised you that you would get your pick of the land whenever like we came into it. And here is what, here's how in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12, this is how Caleb responds. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will go with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. So Caleb takes his sons and they drive them out. And this land is called Hebron. And so Joshua gave him Hebron and he and his sons went and they drove people out and it remained there like when the book of Joshua was written and when these things were chronicled, it remained under the control of his family because he was faithful to follow God, to do the hard thing. And when his opportunity came to say, hey, like I'll take that nice spot down by the river and I'll plant a vineyard and I'll kick back because you know I'm old and I've served God and I did my thing. He said, no, give me the hill country. That's what I want. Where the giants are that everyone was so afraid of, that's where I'm going. Because God's going with me and I'm going to conquer it. And we're going to drive them out like God told us to do. He was faithful to do the hard thing. One other story, not from the Bible, but uh, about me. If you, if you were to sneak into my house and you were to watch me shave, you would see me do something kind of peculiar. I take a washcloth, I fold it over half, over half again, and I set it on the right hand, of, like the right side of the sink. Right there. And for the first couple of years of my marriage, that like, it took a while for me to figure out that that wasn't like where that should stay, like permanently on an ongoing basis. Like I would put the razor and everything away, but I would get, I would get asked questions and see, I don't ever get like called out for stuff. I get asked questions like, like are you done with this washcloth? Like that, like that question. And for the first year I was like, yeah, done with it. And yeah. Done. And um, it took a while for me to kind of catch on that like that wasn't really the what was being asked. Uh, but I did. So now like I'm pretty good about putting it away. Like st- sometimes it still doesn't happen. But after like we had been married a few years, we were staying at my parents' house and we walked by my parents' bathroom and Hillary goes, "Did you shave in here this morning?" And I go, "What do you mean?" And she points. And there's a washcloth, fold over half, fold over half on the right side of the sink. As I know, that's my dad's. Now, my dad taught me to shave. And when he taught me to shave, he taught me how to, like, you know, get the foam and the razor and stuff. But he never said, what you do is you take a washcloth and you fold over half and over half, put it on the right side of the sink. But that's what I do because that's what he did. And you see, the thing that, that I want to tell you through those three stories is that you are making disciples. Yep. Of the three things that are our, our identity, you're doing one of them. Mm-hmm. It's just, what are you doing them for? Mm-hmm. I'm great at making disciples for shows, TV shows. I'm awesome at it. I will bring it up out of the blue, out of nowhere. Hey, have you seen such and such? No, what's it on? Oh, it's on Amazon or it's on Netflix or whatever. Like... And giving somebody just enough to get them interested and but not spoil anything. Like, I'm great at that. I'm great at making disciples for restaurants. Like, hey, have you tried this place? Oh, it's, it's the best. You got to go. When you go, get this. Mention my name. They won't know who I am. <laughs> like, and that, like, but I'm awesome at it. But am I good at 
at making disciples. Because if the guy that I sit next to at work knows good barbecue spots because of me, but doesn't know Jesus, then I fail. And I, and I'm telling you like, that's like, that's the hard thing. And that's the hard thing that we have to do. And that's the space that we have to step into. And that's like, that's how we grow. That's how we do it. And that's how God grows us. Right? Because if you're going out there and you're having those conversations, the only way to do it is by relying on him. And so when you are like, when he's the vine and you're dwelling in him, like you bear that fruit and you make those disciples, you're willing to step into that space. You're willing to do that hard thing. Because you have that center and you have that focus. So our challenge is to make disciples for Christ. And so you say, okay, well, well, now that I know that I'm making disciples and I know that, that the people that I care about most will be my, my closest disciples, those kids that are in my house that, that I love so much that I spend every day with, like I'm discipling them. How do I, how do I make Disciple. How do I? How do I do it? How do I make disciples for Christ? And I'll tell you, it's what you do with your time, it's what you do with your money, and it's what you do with your words. And you can't like you can't skip over any of those. And and a few of those are touch or touchy subjects, right? But we're going to talk about them, and it's going to be okay. Um, but that's how. So what do you what do you do with your time? I have another. Uh, story of of my dad for you in this instance. Um, my dad did not like to read. Like if we're like going on vacation and sitting on the beach, he wasn't not taking a book with him. Not ta- he is not that kind of guy. There's only one book that I ever saw my dad read, and that was the Bible. And he would tell you that it was difficult, like for him to even read the Bible. He like read slowly, and he just didn't he didn't enjoy it. But he was faithful for faithful to it. And when I was growing up, when I was a kid, every morning at five o'clock, we would get up and we would sit around the kitchen table before my dad went to work and we would read the Psalms and the Proverbs. And we would do that as a family. And then later in life, when when I was older, I I didn't have a typical high school experience. I, uh, I was homeschooled, but I would work in the mornings. So I had a job at a golf course. I had to be there at 530 between 5.30 and 6, and so I would leave the house around 5 o'clock. And if I was a couple minutes early, I would see my dad sitting at our breakfast nook reading his Bible every morning. And if I was a couple minutes late, I would see his Bible laying open to where it was because he would do the hard time. He would do the hard thing. It wasn't easy for him. It didn't come natural. It was, he wasn't a scholar that that loved those kind of pursuits, but he would do the hard thing. And he pressed on me that that you have to do the hard thing, and and it's about how you spend your time. We were faithfully at church, like if the preacher was going to wash the windows on Tuesday, we're there and we're going to watch him wash the windows because that's what you do. Like you show up and you do, like that's it. And he he was faithful to walk us through those things of like, this is life, and you do the things day to day that make the difference in the end. Like, you do the things that seem like a grind and seem like, man, if I skip today, it's all right. But in the end, like, those are the things that get you to where you want to go. How are you spending your time? How much time is spent in the Word? How much time is spent in prayer? How much time is spent in that? And how much time just goes out the window? 
I found out recently that you can look at your phone and you can see, like, it'll break down for you, like, how much time you spend doing different things. And it's a very depressing thing if you look at it. Um, but, uh, and I, like, I was convicted about, like, how much time do I spend that's just going, like, to nothing. So how you spend your time. Second, how you spend your money. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay for your, yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. And God, like God is calling you, and, and don't make a mistake, if you're a guest here tonight or if you're listening to the podcast, I'm not asking you for your money, but I'm telling you that God wants you to be a part of a church and he wants you to give faithfully to that church. And for you, like it's, it's very clear, like if you read the Gospels, if you read the book, of Luke, of the book of Luke, you see like God's take on money. And we don't like to talk about money a lot in church, but the reality is like God's calling you to give. And so we shouldn't back away from that. It's part of it. And, and your kids see that. Um, yet another story from my dad. Can you tell who discipled me a lot? Um, there was a time where my dad got laid off work. Right. And, and um, we didn't have like we didn't have a lot anyway, like we were never hungry or like destitute. I don't want to paint an inaccurate picture, but he got laid off and it was kind of touch and go as to like, how are the bills going to get paid? And I remember our church gave my dad five hundred dollars and to like, hey, we know you got laid off. We want this to help you get by till your next thing comes. Give $500, and I remember seeing my dad. The first thing he did was he took out his checkbook, and he wrote a check to the church for $50. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why like, Why would you tithe off of money that the church, like, that doesn't make sense. They just gave it to you. You should use it. But see, my dad understood that that's God providing for him, and that he should give back from what God gave him, no matter the source, no matter where it came from. God was calling him to be faithful with his money. And God took care of my dad and God continues to take care of my mom. But those are the kinds of things that we have to be faithful in our time, our money, and then our words. Like what you say makes a difference. You can't just, you can't just be around somebody and then hope that someday they hear about the gospel and go, oh yeah, I like, I think that too. Like there comes a point where you need to open your mouth and you need to tell somebody about Jesus. And there comes a point where you, where you need to have those conversations and where you need to speak truth to somebody and they're difficult to have. It's the hard thing to do, but it's the thing that God is calling us to do. That's where God wants us to be. And you go, okay, like this seems like a lot of stuff, like spending my time and and then like, you know, my money, I have to be faithful with my money, but man, my words, like how am I going to do that? How am I going to get there? Well, if you'll recall, uh, we've talked about this before when Moses was called. He's at the burning bush and Moses says, I can't go. I'm slow of speech. And God says, what? It's okay because I'm going with you. Right? What did Caleb say when he said, hey, I don't want the easy life. Give me the hill country where the giants are. I'm going to go run them out. What did he say? It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out. Let's turn back to our text in Matthew. Matthew 28, how does it end? The very end. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the earth. 
That's how we make disciples. We go, we go where it's hard, and we take God with us, and we don't apologize. That's what God is calling us to do. And it's not enough for us to stop right short of making disciples and go like, that I'll make disciples for God later when I'm more qualified, when stuff's better, when things slow down, when I figure my life out. We're making disciples now. Let's make disciples for something that counts. Let's make disciples for the gospel. That's where God wants us to be. That's where, and I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> there are giants running around in our culture and in our city, giants of false religion, giants of dependencies, uh, giants of tensions, those things that God wants to conquer. And they're there like it's a hill country full of giants and fortified cities, but God's going with us. And I'm telling you right now, as Trinity Church, that's where we're going. We're going to the hill country and we're going to fight the giants. I hope that you come with us. Let's pray. Eric's going to come up and we're going to worship. God, thank you for loving us and thank you for your love that inspires us to love others. And God, I pray as we live our lives out and as we raise our kids and and make them disciples and as we are around the the people at our work and our sphere of influence and our friends. God, I pray that we are constantly making disciples for you. God, I pray that, that you would be our focus in how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and how we spend our words. God, I just pray that uh, you would dwell in us. And God, thank you that you promised us that you would go with us. God, point us in the direction of the things you want us to take on. And I pray that we do that. God, I just, I yearn to see those giants in our community fall. And I want to see people saved. And I want to see you add to our number because we're being faithful to you. God, that's what you call us to. And I pray that we would walk in that. In your name I pray. Amen.